Super Talk Mississippi media production. Whether you're looking to start a career with no student loans or change careers to land one of the happiest jobs in the world, yep, that's construction, Build Mississippi can help. Visit buildmississippi.com to learn why a career in the trades deserves another look. buildmississippi.com. Your future is waiting. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to Coast View. Coast View, as you know by now, is about celebrating the men and women who are, who are continuing to make a contribution to making this a great place to live, work, and play. In the last month, um, I've done. In the last month that I've done this show, I've had the opportunity to, to be touched uh, more times than I can actually count. The incredible people I've had the honor of conversing with on the show have given me a lot of joy and inspiration. I hope you feel the same way. I wouldn't continue to do this show if it didn't uh, touch you or inspire you, or reach you to, or, or, or compel you to reach higher in your life, to look for ways to leave your mark here in coastal Mississippi. I want to share something with you this morning. When you're the chief executive officer of a company, and I was for the last 15 years of my career, you move pretty fast. Actually, some people would say too fast. Uh, There's always so much to do. I I was always pretty seriously focused on kind of keeping the balance between family and, and work. I think my family would give me pretty good scores on that. But I never really had the time to get to know the people that I came in contact with in my various volunteer efforts always moving too fast. But through this show, I've been given a gift, a chance to see what I missed while, while we share with you some amazing people who have made real di- a real difference here in coastal Mississippi. So this show has been a blessing to me. It's enabled me to focus on one person at a time. And what I've learned about them and from them has inspired me to dig even deeper to understand the essence of these amazing people So you get a special gift every single morning. In short, I'm inspired, and I hope you are too. And I've got a gift for you now. I I sat out in this conversation this morning with with John Shorty Sneed to talk about his extraordinary leadership in the insurance arena, especially after Hurricane Katrina, when we needed his passion for the coast and his uh, his gifted knowledge of property insurance. That, combined with his center, center stage acting career over so many years, made him a Coast character who was doing important work for all of us. I personally watched him closely after Hurricane Katrina. His efforts on the insurance front were really important. They cannot be overstated. But as I prepared today, it hit me that today's show is more than insurance. It's more than community-minded endeavors. It's more than his hilarious center stage acting roles. It's really about the measure of the man. The true measure of a man ultimately is about what happens when he faces adversity. The real measure of a man is how he treats his family. It's the relationship he has with his wife, his kids, his friends, and his God. At his core, my guest today, Johnny, John Shorty Sneed, is a good man. You mention his name to just about anyone who knows him, and they smile. Andrew, you're about to understand why. Good morning, Shorty. Good morning. That's, that's embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. 
I can't wait to share you with with the listeners. You're you're a special person. Thanks. And so um, and and your story is going to be something I think that's going to inspire them, and inspired me. I, I I'm I'm loving this opportunity to share you. Um, did you have an opportunity to watch the Tim and Dean oh, Holloman conversation? Yeah, we talked a little bit about it. I, you know, Boyce, I was about uh, Boyce was about twenty years older than I was, and I'm about ten years older than than Tim. So I was in between uh, the, the two. And I, Boyce and I were were great buddies uh, in his later life, and uh, worked at the theater. Uh, I can recall. You know, you know, he was a big star. He liked, <laughs> he liked to let everybody know that, and of course. And so we we called him. You know, the first play ever done at Center Stage was Cat on a Hot Tin Roof in 1975. Center Stage was founded by a group of five, six people that wanted from the Guppet Little Theater that wanted to do more contemporary plays. And Mrs. Baxley, with all due respect, who was our high school drama teacher, uh, ran. Fort Little Theater with an iron hand, and she wouldn't see to any type of risque contemporary <laughs> plays. And so Dot and uh, Martin Maeza, uh, Joe Little especially, and uh, Janie Andrews and her uh, Janie Steele and her future husband uh, decided to form Center Stage in 1975. And the first play that was done was in the fall of 75. Uh, the second play was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which Roland was in. Uh-huh. And uh, the third play was What the Butler Saw, which I was my first endeavor. But going back to Voices, which included the Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Bo Roberts, who was my priest for 37 years, the vacuous uh, father, James Beauregard Roberts, played Brick. Joe Little played uh, Maggie. And that was the uh, – fast-forwarding to last year, the only part I've ever really asked <clears throat> Chuck White could I do, Chuck White, the director of mm-hmm. the center stage, mm-hmm. uh, was could I play Big Daddy? I said, I don't know if I'm I'm not tall enough. <laughs> I said, I'm certainly fat enough and old enough <laughs> to play Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. But Boyce was such a big man in, in body and mind and spirit for everyone. That mm-hmm. He personified Big Daddy. <laughs> and I often said, we, and that's what Josephine, mm-hmm. Joe Little and I mm-hmm. call him, and a lot of people did. But Joe and I, especially, I called him Big Daddy mm. for the rest of his life. <laughs> I share I shared a segment I, from the YouTube video <clears throat> where he uh, where he's talking about when he got shot down. Yeah. and you, you're reminded first of all his voice and the way his his, his inflection yes. and, and his you know southern charm and uh, his am- amazing attention to detail. It was really a Brought great chills to me to listen to that. It was really great. Yeah. So look, here's the reality. If you had not been involved in wind dance, if you had not been involved in building Thunder Stage, if you had not been involved in um, the insurance situation and in, in helping build your church, all the things that you've done, if you had not done any of those things, I think Patty and your kids would have still made you famous. Well, thank you. You have an amazing family. So let's <clears throat> tell us about Patty. Patty, uh, Patty and I met in the fifth grade at uh, Bowie Elementary School. I asked her to marry me in the fifth grade. And uh, thanks to one of my friend's mother who said, I said, I like Patty Henry. And she, his mother said, well, his, her mother is fantastic. I think you ought to marry her. She's, <laughs> and you're always the way your mother, you know, girls will be the way their mother is. So that's what we did. So, wow. Yeah. She, uh, she plays piano, sings. She's an artist. Yes. Um, she's kind of your rock. She was the church organist at St. Mark's for uh, 37 years. Uh, which is a church that my great grandfather mm-hmm. was a priest at in 1905. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so very wow. meaningful. 
I wish people could see your eyes as you talk about it because I know she's she's a very special person. Uh, your son Johnny was in two Super Bowl commercials. That's right. He was uh, in the Bud Light commercial, uh, and he was also in a Little Caesars commercial. Right. But he's done a bunch of movies. Tell us about Johnny. Well, he's uh, you know he, he has a law degree from Oakland University of Texas. Uh, he was urged on by uh, Gaston Hughes's. Uh, <laughs> First cousin to go to Texas, Gessens, uh, who was referenced in Boyce's deal as well, mm-hmm. a lot with your story, uh, was my house guest when uh, Gaston and Karen got married. And so he talked Johnny to going to Texas. Johnny wanted to go out of state, but he went to the University of Texas for four years and studied speech. Never was in any, any acting plays out there. He just did <laughs> some stuff at Center Stage here. And then uh, went to law school at Ole Miss. And I was all, he came down here and practiced law with. A Bryant Clark law firm with uh, Jimmy Dukes and Roger Clark and mm-hmm. Ray Bryant and those guys, Tom Stennis. And uh, he uh, just told me one day, he said, Dad, he said, I loved law school, but I hate practicing law. He said, nothing ever gets con- finished. Everything's continued or postponed or appealed. And he says, I think I'm going to try acting. And I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, I had a problem with it for about two weeks. I didn't talk to him. I was so upset. But he, he decided to... Uh, mm-hmm. He was in Texas at the time. He had moved to Texas and was working as an in-house attorney for somebody. And uh, he said, I'm just going to try it. And so he started waiting tables with a law degree for a year and took improvisational classes in Texas, studied under somebody who had studied with Randy Bennett mm-hmm. uh, of the Groundlings. And uh, in fact, and so he um, then decided after about a year, he did, he did his first commercial and first TV show in Texas. He did several commercials in Texas. And one of the best was sitting at a deal like this where he was a, a, a bingo caller for the Texas State Lottery. And he played both parts. He would call the bingo, get up and walk around, and then play the card. And did it about three times. It won an award in, in yeah. Texas. Yeah, it was, cool. it was great. So he uh, then shot a uh, everybody that lived in Dallas had to shoot their uh, obligatory uh, Walker, Texas Ranger show. So his first Real show is Walker, Texas Ranger. Wow, that's And he got great. about two minutes, and he was uh, being arrested by uh, Chuck Walker and those guys, or one of the guys that worked for Chuck Walker. And anyway, that was his start. So he, one day he just he did that for about a year, year and a half, and just decided that he was going to uh, – and we did some improvisation out there. We saw went out there to see a show one time that he did, and he's pretty good. And improv is the hardest thing in the world mm-hmm. to do, and, and along with stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, just got in a truck back to you all at truck up and – Drove to Hollywood, didn't know a soul. And uh, you have to audition to get a manager. And so he auditioned at, at uh, a little, these little, I can't think of the word. I told you I was going to have trouble remembering okay. things. I'm getting so old, I can't story. remember. Deals, can't, anyway, so he, he did that, and that was the, he got three mm-hmm. offers from agents, and he uh, that started his career. And this was in 2001. He, he started off out there in 2001. So. Well, I said that the uh, true measure of a man is. Um, ultimately how he treats his wife, his kids, his friends, his God, um, and that he would have been famous. Jordy would have been famous anyway uh, because of his, his kids for sure. Um, so when we get back, we'll continue the conversation about Johnny. He, what a wonderful career he's had and a lot of notoriety along the way. And then we'll talk about his daughter, Laurie, as well. We'll be back after this break.
also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. What would you do with This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 to the coast view uh we've got shorty sneed here today uh long time insurance executive community leader um center stage actor father husband i mean was it, yeah, husband friend <laughs> you know just an amazing guy we were talking about his son johnny when we went to the yeah. break and you said that he'd just gone to hollywood and was looking for an agent right Pick 2001 up that uh, the word i was trying to think of is showcases they yeah. you do a showcase and so anyway at the showcase he did he did two or three of them and he had a an offer had three offers to become uh, to get an agent and he uh, and got a manager you get an agent mm-hmm. a manager and an attorney so they all three advise you in your career and so he's uh you know not that well known, but he's done some. According to his IMDb chart, he's done eighty-three uh, shows. Those are movies and TV shows. He's been in about six or eight movies. One of the most interesting movies I recall, just thinking about it, he was in a thing, very brief shot with um, Harrison Ford mm-hmm. in something uh, that was directed. I can't. Uh, Hollywood Homicide. It's mm-hmm. called. Oh yeah, I saw and that. He played yeah. a uh, he played a uniformed policeman who uh, hit another <laughs> uniformed policeman, but he uh, kidnapped a guy. Mm-hmm. I mean. Or, capture a guy who's and the and the, the guy is standing behind them with his handcuffs and he grabs uh, the weapon out of one of them and starts shooting uh-huh. and so the gist of that was directed by ron shelton who did bull durham mm-hmm. and ron had called johnny just from the bull durham movie to come show up one sunday afternoon to shoot this thing and it was kind of so that's what they were doing and and uh, they had about he's got about five minutes on the air on the movie with Harrison Ford. Yeah. And ironically to me, when Harrison Ford went on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson to promote that movie, promote the movie, that was the scene they showed. Really? So That's awesome. I told Johnny he could always say if he ever gets on the Tonight Show, he can always say, "Yes, this is my second appearance on the Tonight Show." Well, he really enjoyed the notoriety that came yeah. from um, that came from Bud Light, huh? Oh yeah, he, he's having a kick out of that. He's done two. Um, he's, what he enjoys most is, the, of course, nobody knows who he is. He's the, he's the Bud Knight, and yeah. so in the Bud Light commercial, and he uh, he's went to Spain. They've been to Yugoslavia uh, to shoot him. Went to New Zealand right. to shoot once. I mean, they really. Uh, He's had some interesting uh, deals for the. For he's Bud he's a drummer. He is a drummer. He plays. Uh, started playing drums, and according to my next door neighbor, when he was born, but he yeah. played the drums for a while. He plays in about six different bands, and started off in church out there, actually, which his mother was pleased. Of. They was a spinoff of a regular Episcopal service. So when I when I read about him as a drummer, you know, I was a drummer. So I'm a drummer. I guess once a drummer, always a drummer. I, I immediately. What do you had, call the guy that travels with four musicians on the road? <laughs> well, you tell the me. The drummer. <laughs> that was the old joke. <laughs> and there you Instead go. Everybody says roadie, and he says no, a drummer. Drummer, He's drummer. Not a true musician. <laughs> so how's he doing today? What's he up to? He's uh, resting. Today he's actually shooting a commercial. Uh, mm. I, I don't even know who for, but he's mm. got a commercial shot today. And, and lately he's been. Uh, he he never wanted to do commercials. So he uh, continue. He did. Uh, Several years ago, after he shot a movie in 2004 5 with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore called uh, about the Boston Red Sox when mm-hmm. independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of the name of it mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I'll think of it. I'll think of it in a minute. But they were in Fenway Park shooting this movie, and so they had a bunch of extras in the stands after a game. And some people in the stands start hollering, There's the Volkswagen guy. Look, there's the Volkswagen guy. 
and he had shot about eight commercials for Volkswagen as the Volkswagen guy, right? mm-hmm. and he got nervous because he said, you know, this is Jimmy Fallon's movie, and Drew Barrymore, and I'm kind of a, he was a, you know, had a nice role, he was Drew Barrymore's best friend's husband, yeah. and he bought the tickets from Jimmy Fallon, and so he uh, he was nervous. He said, I got to quit doing commercials. He didn't want to go into the next audition and be known by the cast directors. Oh, yeah, you're the Volkswagen yeah. guy. <laughs> it's kind of like Flo. I, mean, I yeah. say, you know, Flo's an aggressive right, lady. Right, right. She can't, get, she can't do anything else. Right. She's too well known. So he was worse. So he stepped back for a while. And, you know, and nothing was happening. And I said, Johnny, you know, I haven't had to support you since the first three years. And I said, that was our deal. I said, uh, but you need to get back in and, and go. Dad, that's not what I want to do. I said, I know, but it pays the rent in the house note. Let's get out there. So he got back into commercials, and I, he's probably done 200 commercials. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. So let's talk about Lauren. All right. Yeah, so for, just you know, what, what her, her life is so inspiring. So, so that our listeners can understand, give us a short story on on Lauren so they can really understand you know her life in a, a nutshell and then let's talk about right. her her spirit after yeah. she graduated from Gulfport high school she went to Ole Miss and she was actually with two other cup with two couples three other people had gone to New Orleans for a concert and they were driving back to Ole Miss because in her words dad always said don't ever don't cut class go to class and make it count so they would drive i said don't throw me under the bus for this deal mm-hmm. but they were had an automobile accident in winona and she was in the hospital <clears throat> They called me. It's on our wedding anniversary, January mm-hmm. 29th, 1991. Mm-hmm. And uh, this lady called and said, this is Montgomery County Hospital. Your daughter's been in an accident. She's uh, she's in our hospital. We're getting ready to transport her to Memphis. She has a head injury. Mm-hmm. And I was being <clears throat> very medical and cool. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, is it open or closed? Mm-hmm. She said closed. And I mm-hmm. said, thank you. So she uh, was taken to Memphis by helicopter. I walked out into the den told my wife I was on my way to work and ready. I walked out in the kitchen where my wife was, and she was on the floor crying, and I said, everything's going to be all right. And I promptly fainted. Oh, and I woke yeah. up. Uh, Lindy Callahan and his wife were coming in the door because mm-hmm. Callahan's been like a second father to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we flew to Memphis that day, and our life changed forever. But mm-hmm. she was paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mentioned to you one time about uh, we were up. We were in Memphis at the Elvis Presley Trauma Center uh, where they called the MED, which is University of Tennessee Medical School. And when we got there, they were operating on her. And the guy that came out, there were four doctors standing there. And this guy was standing there like this, and his sleeve rolled up. And he had a Mickey Mouse watch on. He was a neurosurgeon. His name was Dr. Watford. I still remember mm-hmm. that. And uh, I said, I want you to know, it gives me great, a great thing to know that the man's been operating on my daughter's skull and spine for the last four hours is wearing a Mickey Mouse watch. <laughs> he, got, he got all nervous. And I think you say something about humor, but I, I believe in a sense of humor to to get mm-hmm. you through things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told Lori the same thing. I said, look, let's concentrate on what you can do. turns out she was paralyzed. She had mm-hmm. a C5. I learned a lot about spinal cord. My wife could probably pass the medical boards mm-hmm. about spinal cord injury uh, and neurology and neurosurgery. But she, uh, anyway, Lori had a C5 injury, and you can, it means you can move your wrist, and mm-hmm. she had no fine motor function. But what we tried to do was concentrate on what she could do and what she, not what she could And ultimately, do. she taught you oh, how to was, live life. She was the greatest. <clears throat> she really was, yeah. So tell, tell, tell the listeners what she ultimately ended up doing. Well, after she uh, came down here and went to Mississippi, went to Junior, Mississippi Gulf Coast Junior College, Community College, for one year and went back to Ole Miss, she took an accounting course at, uh, at the Junior College, which I majored in accounting at Ole Miss, and I was helping her with the homework. And we got very close. We were close and great friends, but we really got close uh, when I was helping her as a tutor when she was taking accounting at, at mm-hmm. Gulf Coast. And uh, she came home one day and she said that 
teacher was surprised that I was the only one in the class that got the problem, got this problem right, Dad. I said, Lori, I taught out of this book. I said, I'll be able to work the problem. So she gained a little respect for that. She thought, I well, that's yeah. you were the only one who got it right. Yeah. But uh, we had a great life. She went back to Ole Miss and then and majored in English and became great friends with this professor, Dr. Colby Coleman. And he was a Tennessee Williams expert, as we discussed one time. And so she just uh, – he he's it's her favorite student you know, of all of his career. And uh, she's his, her favorite professor. And she just uh, inured herself to Ole Miss students. She was a campus favorite. She mm-hmm. was the uh, most beautiful eyes on campus contest <laughs> before and after her accident and left there and went uh, – to, uh, but she, she she once had a campus policeman follow her home. That's true. <laughs> to tell that story. She uh, she loved to party a little bit. She would not let her disability bother her. She would go out and had a big ball with everybody. And so she once rolled up in a wheelchair to a. She was obviously f- drove with her hand controls. She was full full time paralyzed. And she said, uh, "I love how people sometimes think if you're paralyzed, you're going to get better." So mm-hmm. which, you know what's, what's it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. You yeah, got, and that's when you got to get over it that nothing's going to change, and and you, it's, you, no matter how bad you feel. I said this to patients at Shepherd Spinal Center, and I had Lori speak to them that no matter what you think, there's no reason to get. You, you can get mad at first and be upset and why me and all that stuff. And we really got through. We went past all that mm-hmm. because. Uh, you've got to deal with it, and that's mm-hmm. what I told her. I said, okay, we're just going to deal with it. You can't change, so don't feel sorry for yourself. But she went up to this policeman, and she said, would you mind following me, following me home so I won't get a DUI? <laughs> well, so he she, did. <laughs> and she didn't. <laughs> and, and she didn't. And she didn't, yeah. She went on to go to Atlanta. Yes. I mean, gosh, that had, I mean, as a parent, what I mean, her, it took her, a lot of guts for her mother to let her do it. My, I marvel at what my wife's done over the years. I tell you, she's ought to be. I used to joke. I said at the Biloxi first a couple years ago that she ought to be mother of the century rather than mother of the decade. I, but she let her. You know, when she Lori wanted to go. People were going to Dallas. They were going to Jackson. And her classmates. They were going to Memphis. They were going to Atlanta, and she didn't want to come back home and live with her parents. She wanted to just try it on her own, and so she. Uh, she and her mother, Patty, went to Atlanta and scoped out apartments. We they were building an apartment complex, post properties in Atlanta. We went and said, "Make one of them handicapped, and we'll rent it from you." And mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, they uh, it, she uh, lived in Atlanta. And every day when I talked to her, I would say, "Lori, have you have you been to CNN yet?" Because I used to joke with her and say, "You know, you could read the news. Mm-hmm. It's like you can sit there yeah. behind a counter. Nobody knows you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. You can read the news. Just read it. Have you been to CNN yet? No, Dad. No, Dad." One day I said, have you been to CNN yet? She said, no, but I have an appointment Monday. And it turns out she had met uh, uh, a guy that worked for the chairman of CNN. So let's do this. Yeah, what if, you know, I mean, Laurie, as as you and I talked about offline, I mean, she, her light was bright in life. But but her light continues to shine today. Because of the example that she set, the inspiration well, that she set. Thank you. Let's, let's continue that part of the conversation when we come back so people can really appreciate what, what her legacy was. And then we'll, uh, we'll shift gears and move on to some, some other things. We'll be back with Shorty Sneed right after this break. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. We're having a really special conversation this morning with uh, Shorty Sneed. Um, and we were talking about his daughter, Lori. 
And you were, we were at the point of the conversation where she had just gone to Atlanta, yeah. and you were encouraging her to, to look into employment at CNN. So tell that story. Well, when she, uh, I, don't, I can't remember where I cut off with you and cut off with the audience, but uh, she, uh, when I told her, had she been to CNN yet, she said, no, but I've got an appointment Monday. Mm-hmm. It turns out she'd gone to the movies, she, and when she went to a picture show, went to the movies, she liked to sit in a regular movie seat because it made her feel normal. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she saw this nice-looking young man in the lobby of the theater, and she said, can you pick me up? And he said, I'm with my wife. <laughs> she said, no, can you pick me up and put me in a chair in, in a seat? And so they hit it off, and he yeah. had my kind of personality, she said. She said, Dad, when I talked to him, I thought of you. Uh, his name was Douglas Lenhauer, and it turned out that his father had known Ted, had known Tom Johnson, who was the chairman of CNN, mm-hmm. and that's how Douglas had gotten his job. He was a salesman for the cable network. And so he said, he told me later on, we're now good friends. He calls me short man. But he <laughs> said, Mr. Snead said, when I met her, he said, I knew we had to hire after about seven minutes. He said, <laughs> I talked to her. He said, she had the greatest personality in the world. Yeah. And he said, so the next day he told Tom, he said, we need to hire this girl. And so she got an interview with Tom Johnson, and, and, and Tom actually <clears throat> paid for her, excuse me, to have lessons, paid out of his own pocket for her to take lessons to read airport tones. She's had an airport news mm-hmm. segment that she yeah. tried to read and do. And she could look, I said, you know, she looks pretty and can read the news. That's, that's all you got to do to read, you know, and she didn't have enough lung power as uh-huh. a quadriplegic mm-hmm. to push the mm-hmm. words out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for the, for news where you have to talk like you're in the news, you know, you know, and so it, it, surely repeatedly, we talked about these moments it, that occur in people's yeah. lives that change the trajectory oh, yeah. of their life. So um, divine her, intervention, her, her being there and, and going to land being meeting Douglas Lindhauer changed her life completely as far as being able to just stay out. She wanted to be out and not sit home. And she worked at CNN three days a week, mm-hmm. six hours a day. And uh, that was about all she you can do as a quad at her, at her level. And, uh, she got to know a lot of people, uh, like Darren Kagan, who was a news lady that came to her funeral. Mm-hmm. Miles O'Brien mm-hmm. was a She a was very guy. close to, to Miles. Yes, yes. And, and he, uh, had, he had an impact on her, didn't he? He did, tremendous. And he, he he came from New York to see her in the hospital, flew down to see her one time, and he came to a party that Tom had for mm-hmm. her. And so he uh, and it had an impact on me to, for him to come to her funeral. Yeah. It to come as far away as he did. And uh, he lost an arm in the Philippines mm-hmm. and was thinking about her the whole time. Uh, I don't mean in the war. I mean, in, he, some, I don't remember what happened to him, but he had, he had his arm amputated. But she, she found her independence yep. and adversity, which is a great lesson for people to hear. Um, there is hope in, in the most dire circumstances. She blossomed. It's what you make of it. And I told her, you know, if they ever interview you, Lori, just say we had a good sense of humor. Yeah, well, uh, hey, but just like I said, when I asked people about you, Shorty, they, they, they smiled well, because you made them happy. And someone said of her that that they never saw her, never saw Lori when she wasn't smiling. Yeah, she, she had her moments with her mother, and that's why I give my wife a lot of credit for her. God bless what them, he bud. did for her, but uh, what she did for her, I mean, and uh, she did improv. She did improv in Atlanta, and she, I went, Patty, and I saw her in two different improv shows. She did a stand-up comedy routine, which her little line was, "I know you want your money back because you thought I was a stand-up comedian." <laughs> God <laughs> and, bless her. She did yeah, art. She did art. This yeah. is a a beautiful piece before and after yeah. her accident. Let's yeah. see if I can show people what this looks up like. This is such a beautiful piece. Are you covering me up to do that? Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, how dare I? She would, she would love that. She would love that. Well, in the, but in thank the, you all with the nice things you said about Lori. Yeah. She did, uh, I think, set a great example, if I say so myself, of what it's like to not let a, um, 
a disability or a problem in life get you set you down it's a it's a great lesson and i'm so happy that we have an opportunity to uh, to share her story thank you very much um so let's let's shift gears um i said that one of the most important things is of of the measure of a man is what happens when there's adversity and we talked about some just now but there was a lot more after hurricane katrina and you were a real i mean excuse me an insurance specialist um, and I had the opportunity through the Governor's Commission and the Gulf Coast Business Council and other other ways uh, to to watch you closely. You you know you don't like to have credit, but and there were a lot of people working together on this on this subject. But we were in dire circumstances after Katrina, weren't we? No doubt. Yeah, the market was uh, completely dried up. A lot of companies were renewing coverage, uh, but at tremendous rates and tremendous deductibles. Other companies were leaving and not writing coverage and so you got to remember mississippi's a small state obviously and so we're a small piece of the insurance pie and some companies would just as soon write off mississippi as is needed and so it was very important to some of the things we got done in the legislature to uh, talk about uh, recoupment later on not from katrina but one of the big things about katrina and i'll tell a, a story before i get to the serious stuff i i was in uh, people asked me well how was it how was it in katrina and of course in, in uh, camille i was in okinawa in the army and so i missed that and that's where johnny was born right where, yeah. where johnny was born mm-hmm. and uh in uh in katrina i was in connecticut playing golf with the pga tournament the travelers tournament was in connecticut that weekend and i went because travelers flew a plane down to pick some agents up in dallas and you know the audience is going to love this i think insurance has got all this money but uh, they flew down to take about six or eight of us up to new york or to connecticut to the tournament and so I didn't know when the tournament hit. You could we when the storm hit, we couldn't get I couldn't get back because we couldn't get in here. Mm-hmm. And so we I they I had scheduled to have a, a hotel room in Houston to spend the night. I had it for two months to spend the night and then fly commercially to, back to Gulfport. That was my original itinerary when I made the deal. So I was stuck in Houston, uh, and I tried to get the pilot, and I got permission from the chairman of travelers to have the pilot stop and land in Gulfport to let me off to take care of my customers. I said, I get home to take care of my customers. And I told the stewardess the same thing. And she said, and she went and told him. He came back and said, Mr. Snead, the airport in Gulfport is closed. I said, yeah, but it'll be open by the time you get there. He said, there's water over the runway. <laughs> and I called him. When we landed in Dallas to let these guys off. I called my son in Los Angeles. And he said, well, Lori said in Atlanta at CNN that there was water over I-10. And I said, she's crazy. She means Highway 90. Well, no, it was over both. And so the airport was closed. And I, mm. So I was in Houston for three days, and I didn't know whether my wife was dead or alive. And when I got here, uh, I got home, and I did finally talk to her on the phone before I left Houston. And uh, when I got in, she was, of course, our house had six feet of water in it. And uh, she looked at me, and she said, you sell flood insurance, and we don't have it? <laughs> and I said, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I have it now. And I, my point, one of my points of telling that story is, uh, having stayed married to her, she made me clean out the refrigerator. I, know, I remember that and almost regurgitated. But every, the, the, in the media and everything, we, we talk about, are you in a flood zone or not? Everybody's in a flood zone. Everybody's in a flood zone. It's just to different degrees. Mm-hmm. So please, uh, not because I'm, I'm retired now, but not because I'm in the business, everybody needs to talk to their agent or their company about flood insurance in one fashion or another. And, you mm-hmm. can, and so... That is just absolutely just, just for the record, though, um, just so people can understand, Stuart Sneed Hughes has become the largest insurance uh, agency in the state. I think that. And, um, and had been bought by Bancor South, 
Oh, excuse me, Bancorp Insurance. That's correct. Bancorp South Bank. <clears throat> oh, you're right. In 1999, right? And um, but you were you know still going strong. So <clears throat> you you had a you know your organization had a tremendous footprint, incredible risk associated with with Katrina. And so after Katrina, when the market literally collapsed, it was important for us, you know, you to go on a mission to try to figure out how are we going to get people where they can rebuild because they couldn't rebuild if they right. didn't have insurance. How did you do that? Well, you know, Haley Barber had a great line. If you can't insure it, you can't finance it. If you can't finance it, you can't insure it. I mean, you can't, can't buy it. Yeah. And so that is what we tried to sell to people. But in trying to present our picture to the, to the uh, rest of the world, one thing we did was to get this recoupment bill passed in the legislature, which allowed companies, if they do get what, – what, what, companies, what people don't understand, the wind pool is an assigned risk windstorm thing like you hear about assigned risk for automobile. And so a lot of companies – the companies that write the company for the insurance for the rest of the state of Mississippi have to participate in the wind pool as to the percentage of their writings. Well, one particular large company had over $750 million that, and they don't, you don't have that assessment. You don't have it on your balance sheet. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a one-time shot. Going like I didn't budget for that. Mm-hmm. So they were talking about writing the state off. And so we, we passed that rule to let them know that they can get that back in the future. Yes. And one of the other things we did that was very important was I kept just talking to the companies about staying in Mississippi and writing coverage. But we had people that – we primarily were a commercial agency, but we had people that uh, that I wanted to be able to have – the people the, the residential coverage needed to be taken care of because you had – if you have a commercial business, you don't have any employees, you don't have any business. So your employees had to have something to do. So about 22 of us – uh, started a, a insurance company. There were five of my competitors, five of my insurance competitors that were participated in it, and uh, some real estate people, some uh, other people that just wanted to help the coast. And so we had about 25 of us, 22 to 25 of us, that mm-hmm. started Coastal American Insurance Company. When we were going to include flood insurance or a coordination of benefits, we call it, with the NFIP, the flood, the federal flood program. Mm-hmm. We eventually got into writing flood insurance ourselves. And so mm-hmm. it's it was a great thing to do. For Still going strong today? We, it is. We just sold it to a company. Some people in Louisiana, I've stayed on the board along with Steve Day mm-hmm. and Jeannie Lucky. Mm-hmm. And we're uh, going strong. We're, we doubled our premium volume and moved, our o- moved over into coastal Alabama. We're Louisiana, Alabama, yeah. and Mississippi. That's mm-hmm. correct. And with sites on Texas next. It's incredible the innovation that was necessary. You know, <clears throat> there is a powerful lubrication to change things when there is pain. And we were feeling a lot of pain it's at that time, weren't it. we? <laughs> uh, so when we come back, we're going to just continue this uh, incredible conversation with Shorty Sneed. Um, so we'll see you right after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to our almost, I mean, our incredible conversation with the. Uh, with Shorty Sneed. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, tell them, tell them the story you tell me about well, Boyce. I, I just love Boyce. We were we were great friends, and we used to go to games together. My dad just said about Boyce Holland one time, he makes a trip short. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. But uh, this is a story about uh, Boyce used to like, you know, they said on, their sh- on your show that they he liked to help people, and he would take cases for nothing, and that's true. He had a woman, he, he was telling this story at a convention. He says, Dan in Mississippi... We've got a court called the Justice Court. 
He said, you don't even have to be a, be a lawyer to be a judge. You just have to have a high school diploma. He said, so I, we had a case in justice court, and we lost. He said, if you lose in justice court, you can appeal, and you get a real judge. And so we appealed the case, and about five, six weeks later, we had this woman on the stand that was the defendant. And she, I asked her a question, and she answered it differently. And I said, "Miss Smith, don't you realize that you answered that question exactly opposite? You're about to commit perjury in this court. You answered that question exactly opposite of what you did before. And she said, well, hell yes, I lost down there. You don't think I'm going to tell it the same way, do you? <laughs> I just love that. I bet you could just sit but, and listen. I bet people could but, just sit and listen to you. Well, no, you know who does it the best is Albert Nikes. And y'all oh. mentioned Albert. I got an Albert shout out is not in good shit <clears throat> health right now. And I wish him the best. Yeah. He was a an, an umpire when I was a little baseball player. And I stepped out of the box one time and tied a handkerchief around my knee to make sure he would, could tell the strike zone. He told me to get my little tail back in the box. <laughs> but Albert was is also a longtime friend of mine, and I, I just wish him the best. But Albert does the best Boy Solomon imitation of anybody. Really? We all kind of do it. Yeah. But uh, he is fabulous. Wow. Well, he worked with him for that years. Was really good. Good. That yeah. was pretty good. That was pretty good. Albert's ten times better, I promise you. <laughs> Center stage really was a big part of your life. Well, it was. Yeah. And I, I do. I try to do one play a year. I'm getting ready to do one in April called uh, The Last of the Red Hot Lovers. And it probably will be. <laughs> but uh, I uh, enjoyed it. It's a great time to show off. And I, but I do enjoy working with Chuck White's a fabulous director, and he puts on really quality plays. And I think people that perform like to work there because he draws the best out of people uh, in a volunteer situation. Mm-hmm. It's hard to demand yeah. perfection. He's and been going he strong that. since the mid-1970s. Yeah, they started in 75, and he's been there the whole time. That's incredible. He's done every show. And I... I really have a lot of respect for him, and I, I, he's taught me a lot. I took no formal yeah. acting training, nor did my son has, but I yeah. did not. Yeah, wow. But, uh, we had a great time. One of the things that um, that you sort of understood from the beginning as it related to the need to find a solution for insurance that satisfied the whole coast was the whole concept of thinking with one voice, You know, having one coast, recognizing the diversity of the communities, while finding our common issues, and there probably was never a more common issue than insurance. Absolutely. What yeah. what you've really you 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 believe to your core what I just said. Why do you Absolutely. talk about that? I don't know. And I grew up in I'm from Hansburg. I grew up in Bellevue, uh, but I recognize the the importance and like I say the respect for uh, the individual uh, identity of the communities. But we're one voice and one deal. I mean, people that move here are people from out of state and don't know the difference. They don't know where that wall is you were talking about, Chev is talking yeah, about. Yeah. And uh, it's just fabulous when we all work together. And, and I'm on the Harris County Development Commission. I would just as soon have something come to Jackson County or Hancock County to help the coast because the rising tide lifts all boats, I was saying. And I, it's a very a good thing to promote that, in my opinion. George Slope was good at good at that, and we, we uh, mm-hmm. I just, uh, just think it's the mm-hmm. best thing for the future of our, our deal. Atlanta's got eight counties or something and they, nobody knows what county people live in in atlanta it's a metropolitan area. i don't want to be atlanta but uh, so we need to all work it's together great, it's so, a great example yeah. i mean it, you know roland talked a lot about that he, he was fabulous about it you and, and he and the, yeah. the whole staff has done a great job pushing that chavis talked about it um you know it's the key to our success absolutely i, I overheard billy Hughes the other day on a conversation with paul gallo on the on super talk and billy has grown to articulate the one coast concept so well i, I agree he really yeah. has he, I, I look forward to having him on to talk more about that but he he's um his his way of expressing that is so clear and concise yeah. and so easy to understand 
Um, he the, talks more than I do, so be careful when you have him on. <laughs> well, you know, Roland said there was a point where you went to Jackson and they laughed at us because we were so busy laugh, you know, arguing amongst ourselves, they didn't have to pay any attention to us. Right. The good news is they don't laugh at us anymore. Right. You know, that's, that's the good news. Um, as we as we kind of begin to to wind down, short, it's been a pleasure having this conversation thank with you. Thank you. I've been very flattered. Dude. Thank you're, you for having. Well, me. you're a special man, you know. And I, as I said at the at the onset, you know, the measure of a man is is how he treats his family, how he treats his kids, how he treats his friends. You know, again, people who you know hear your name, they smile. Um, you, you know, your kids are a great reflection of you. Thank you. And and I think that's a that's a that's a wonderful thing. And, and I, I want to thank my wife again for for how she devoted 27 years to Lori after her accident. Yeah. She went to Atlanta once a month. Yeah. For for all the time till Lori moved back here. And Johnny would fly from Los Angeles to Atlanta and drive Lori home for that, Thanksgiving and stuff like that. that so she was so we special. We had a lot of support from a lot of people. But the fact that she you know was able to to work herself through it and and be an inspiration to others and find humor in her situation and find independence in her situation and find a light in her situation that inspires other people. What what a, what an incredible legacy. And you guys uh, did an endowment at Ole Miss in yes. her honor. Uh, we and, and we named it in, in her honor and in Dr. Colby Coleman's honor because he was her favorite teacher. And yeah. She was his favorite teacher. Well, thanks for your leadership uh, on the insurance front and on many other fronts. And uh, thank you for taking time to share yourself. Well, thank you. I'm, again, very flattered. Okay, buddy. Have a great day. All right. And we have, uh, we have a great guest tomorrow. And... We are going to be talking about Sawyer Real Estate and the Sawyer family, and um, it's going to be a wonderful conversation with Lenny. Good. So look forward to having that conversation tomorrow. We'll see you later. Bye. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.